We're down the field, the world's largest air-supported podcast. I'm Ty Schulte, Chris Brick, and this is the Athletics Detroit Lions podcast. Chris, after all the speculation, rumors, all of that, and a very surprising first seven picks off the board in terms of who went and in the order. We kind of end up right about back where we started. TJ Hawkinson, Iowa tight end, all-around do-everything guy. A very, a very Patriotsy, a very Quincy sort of draft pick, uh, and you know, Twitter and reaction was kind of all over the place. Obviously, you put up some of your thoughts and Bob Quinn's thoughts and Matt Patricia's thoughts at the Athletic, which you should be subscribing to and reading. But Chris, g- give me give me your thoughts on this pick. Well, I mean, I think like you said, it was very Bob Quinn, very Matt Patricia. Like they clearly want to run the ball. Um, they needed another receiving threat. I think he gives them that. It, you know, just a solid kid, hard worker, smart, like all those things that they preach all the time. So He mentioned uh, the it, playbook about seven times. Yeah, it made sense, and that's one of the things that, um, you know, Hawkinson himself has said he sort of prides himself on. And um, So, yeah, I mean, I think it certainly makes sense. He's a really good player. He's got a chance to elevate this offense for sure. I, like you hit on, I mean, the two big things were, A, the board sort of fell really nicely for them to – get a defensive player at Oliver was there. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Devin Bush, obviously the Steelers came way up and got Devin Bush uh, from 20. Um, So there were some options there, but I was a little surprised they didn't go specifically the Bush, Devin Bush route, but yeah, I I was more surprised B that they didn't trade down. And we heard so much from them about how they wanted to trade down. Uh, Pretty much anyone uh, you talked to in the league over the last month or two would mentioned how the Lions were looking to trade down you know they didn't want to stay at that pick Um, and as I mentioned in the article like I think some of that had to do with they might have been thinking Hawkinson was going to be gone by then and so yeah when he was there um, you know they took him I think if the Jaguars take Hawkinson at seven you know again the board sort of fell funny because if the Jaguars take Hawkinson then Josh Allen falls in the Lions lap. How is not Allen? Yeah yeah you take Josh Allen Allen, so you get uh, Hawkinson so it just sort of fell for them to stay, but I'm a little surprised they didn't move back, especially because, as we're talking about, you know, it, it leading into Friday, it's loaded up with talent. So to have a third, you know, to get that third pick on day two would have been helpful. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's going to be it'll be interesting to see how this one plays out. I was I was stunned, honestly, by some of the vitriol that I saw. And, I mean, to an extent at this point, you know, there's there's nobody's out there you know in bob we trust you know that they haven't built up that level of of a step there's going to be people who react to every pick negatively you know i saw somebody you know jumped in my mentions and just ripped bob quinn a new one and and then his next reply was greedy was right there (laughs) yeah i mean anytime you take a i think anytime the lions take a type tight end at this point it was going to be compared to eric ebron especially in the top 10 but yeah he's not the same guy it's a different offense it's a different coaching staff i don't you know i don't think it's fair necessarily to compare them player to player draft over draft i mean i think that there's reason to be skeptical of of taking a you know tight end in the top 10 period especially after you just paid up for a tight end in free agency and um you know hawkinson's a a really good athlete and a better athlete than Ebron was, but as we've mentioned before, he's not wasn't like a hundredth percentile across the board 
type of athlete. It's not like a once in a lifetime athlete at tight end. So, I, I mean, I think there are reasons to be skeptical. It, and the, the complaint that I heard a few times Thursday night was that this was too safe of a pick that, that, you know, the lions needed to really try and gamble a little bit if they were going to make a big move, um, up the standings or, you know, as improve as a team. And, um, you know, I, maybe there's something to that too, but I, I think that there's value in getting a guy you know is going to contribute. And I think that he's interesting specifically because he translates really well to the NFL. So it's not a situation where, like, you know, they drafted Michael Roberts and it was, well, maybe by year two he helps a little, maybe by year three he's okay. Um, this is a guy they're going to play a lot and play a lot early. I think you kind of heard that from Bob Quinn Thursday night saying, you know, they're going to run – Hawkinson and Jesse James on the field together a ton. They're going to use yes. one tight end looks with either of them, you know, just sort of mix and match and see what they can do offensively. So I, I, I'm really interested to see how it works. I, you know, I also tweeted out it was like 2:30 in the morning, so I don't think anyone saw it. But um, <laughs> you know, Daryl Bevel's offense is in Seattle. The tight ends there over his seven years averaged 12 yards per catch, which you know Jimmy Graham was a big part of that but you know 12 yards per catch the lions were at 10.2 with their tight ends last year and right. haven't been over 11 it's just once in stafford's career with detroit it is over 11 so you know there's not going to be some opportunities for these guys to make plays and uh create the space that the lions want to create well and i thought you know what's the biggest problem with the offense last year really was on second down and on third down nobody's getting open or at least nobody's getting open fast enough you know Stafford's supposed to get rid of the ball quick there's nobody to get rid of the ball to you're waiting for Kenny Galladay and you're waiting for Marvin Jones to get into an advantageous position downfield maybe not even open because they're contested catch guys but to where they're at a spot downfield with with you know at full speed and with that verticality where they can use that so that there's a lot of just waiting around for somebody to be open and i said on twitter you know somebody's like talk me into this talk me into this i was like okay well you remember all those times they're trying to convert on second and long and third and long with theo riddick and duct tape well like that's that's over now you know you've got two guys two tight ends and as i also said you know what is an entire front office and coaching staff made of patriots guys gonna do with two tight ends gosh, I don't know, like maybe play two tight ends at the same time and, and potentially do really well with it. Uh, so, you know, for me, I this feels very much like Frank Ragnow, where, you know, they looked over their, their case studies, their scenarios. Everybody was like, look, everybody's good at this pick. Everybody in the room is comfortable. He's going to come in. We know he's going to be an impact guy pretty quickly and has a chance to be, you know, a standout Pro Bowl type guy down the road. You know, maybe not super dominating. Maybe he's never going to catch 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns from the tight end position. But it's not completely out of the possibility. And, and you know, if he gives you a few years as a Witten light, uh, you know, then, then that or, or even as a, a straight up Witten type guy, that that's more than worth it at the number eight spot so it feels like everyone was good with that he was there they took the pick um and and it it doesn't count okay you know because a lot of people are like well, well josh allen almost fell to them yes he almost fell to them but just because he went off the board at seven instead of three doesn't make it any more possible to do- draft josh allen at eight than <laughs> than it did before you know yeah and you hit on one of the things that i think is going to be I guess kind of interesting to track and how 
people react to this moving forward because you even saying that he's ready to step in um, and, and help early. I mean, I mentioned in I think it was our our Q and A on the site uh, before the draft. Like you know, you you've got Jones, Galladay, uh, now Amendola. You're probably talking about that's like 250 to 300 targets there. Jesse James is a guy that they think can be a very good player in the passing attack. So maybe that's another 40 or 50. You still have Theo Riddick. You got on Johnson. Like the number of targets TJ Hawkinson is going to have just because of the other players around him. I mean, it's not going to be high. And you kind of go back to last year that there were some really good tight ends that came out. I think the highest production from a rookie tight end was like you know, 550 yards and four or five touchdowns, which is a really, really good season for a rookie tight yeah. end. But yeah. if you get 500 yards, you know, if, if Hawkinson catches 35 balls for 500 yards and scores three times and Ed Oliver has 10 sacks and Devin Bush has 120 tackles, like are people going to say, oh, look, I mean, this isn't enough yeah. production from the eight spot. And again, I don't know that that's necessarily fair. I mean, I, I think Hawkinson's going to contribute in a lot of ways that aren't just receptions, but that's sort of how I think a lot of people are going to look at this now is just, is he going to, if you're taking a guy up there, you want the production, you know, you don't want yeah. to take a, you know, you don't want, I, I understand the argument behind saying you don't want the safe well, pick, you know, you don't want to take just the guy because he's a hard worker and a good all-around talent. You need that as close to a transcendent type of player as you can get at that number eight spot. And that I think there's his upside. You mentioned Jason Witten. Like, if you get Jason Witten, that's incredible. Like, if you right. have your starting yeah. tight end oh, for yeah, a yeah. decade now, that's amazing. But, um, it, you know, there's a lot of lot of distance between where TJ Hagginson is now and Jason Witten's career, obviously. Obviously. But I also, you know, Oliver is not a slam dunk. Um, you know, the, the easy comparison is right. Aaron Donald, and I'm not sure he's the pass rusher Aaron Donald is. The other thing you talk about refs, oh, like, how do you pass on Ed Oliver? You needed a pass rusher. You needed an edge rusher. You know, if you miss out on Josh Allen, Ed Oliver isn't Josh Allen. He's a different player. You know, and, and you look at the Lions defense, where does Ed Oliver probably do the most damage? From Trey Flowers' spot. Well, you just paid Trey Flowers a gajillion dollars to be Trey Flowers, you know, and obviously he's not going to play nose tackle, so, you know, snacks, but from snacks, Ashawn, Deshaun Hand, Trey Flowers, you know, you're like, oh, well, we've got another inside outside guy. Okay. So now you're picking three from five or four from five. I don't think Ed Oliver has the, you know, eight, nine, 10 sack rookie year because he's, you know, he's rotating, uh, you know, both in terms of number of reps, first string, second string, and in terms of where he's lining up on the field. Like, oh, I'll put him at linebacker. And I'm just, I, okay, now you're drafting a guy at number eight to put him out of position just because his, you know, his Madden OVR rating might be two points higher uh, at this point in time. I, you know, I don't know. I, I certainly see the value of that Oliver overall. And if you think he's going to be a better player or have a better career, I understand that. Like I said, there are some evaluators that are like, you know, Aaron Donald has people mind tricked a little bit that, that this production, you know, isn't necessarily going to translate. He didn't blow everybody up uh, this past season. So, uh, you know, the, it's not a slam dunk necessarily that Ed Oliver is going to be a, an all pro. Um, and so the, I, I kind of turn it back to, 
like we said, maybe it is a little bit of a safe pick, but this is this is really in the position where, you know, I don't think the Lions can swing and miss at this. You know, I don't think they can draft. Uh, you know, I, I brought up the comparison before. If you draft uh, a Montez Sweat that people have questions about, you draft a, a Barkevius Mingo type where you're just this guy is an edge rusher. We need an edge rusher. We you know reached for you know, Rashawn Gary, somebody like that. If you just reach for a position of need because it's there i i don't think you're i don't think that's gonna pan out um and, and somebody said this was milanesque a milanesque pick and i'm like i this seems like the opposite of a milanesque pick to me because to me you know Millen didn't do the homework didn't necessarily listen to the scouts took a guy based off of you know the eye test and the college he went to and didn't really have a plan with the coaches. To me, this seems like they built up a consensus among everybody in the room and went, we all know that we're going to be able to use this kid. Yeah, and I mean, I think it really boils down to, and this has sort of been a running theme for me in my coverage of the Lions transactions over the last year at least, is do you buy in and trust what Bob Quinn's doing? I mean, this is, yeah, they're not strained from the plan at all here. And that was why TJ Hawkinson always sort of stood out as one of the options up top and why Jonah Williams was a hot name, you know, recently because they want to win in the trenches. Like the, <laughs> that story uh, when I went to Alabama and watched Matt Patricia talk at the coaches clinic, like he stressed repeatedly how you need to, to be win games. You need to be tough and to show that you're tough. You need to win in the run game. Like this is their yeah. thing. This is a, they're an, this is an old school, you know, sort of throwback mentality that they're trying to fuse with some of the you know modern NFL idea ideas and some of the things Daryl Bevel did in Seattle and you know the ways that T.J. Hawkinson can get open and um, and win over the middle of the field and up the seam like they want to just sort of make this mesh this hybrid of uh, of old and new but at the end of the day they they're they're looking for guys who are going to help them win in the trenches. They want high character guys. They want intelligent guys. You know, they don't want guys that they're going to have to spend extra time uh, teaching the playbook to. Like they do, they have a very set standard here at every position, and I think we're seeing them stick to it. And you kind of mentioned the other thing, like that any pick there was going to have this sort of yeah, but uh, you know, yeah, like right. you're taking a tight end in the top ten. That's people don't really do that much, but. And Oliver, like, how often do you take an undersized, maybe out of position defensive tackle in the top ten? Or how right, often do you take right. Devin Bush as a, uh, you know, how many five ten and a half linebackers have gone in the top ten? Right. Uh, so yeah. there was always going to be this little caveat on the end of it. And to me, that again, that just goes back to that was sort of why I was thinking they'd trade back, both because of the depth on day sure. two and because the way I was looking at it, you know, saying is the gap between if you're going eight to 15 or wherever is the gap between Hawkinson and, you know, whoever they might have plugged there, uh, that big, you know, I don't, for me, it, it probably wasn't, but for them, it seems like it was, it seems like TJ Hawkinson was, you know, they had one scenario again where, all right, if Jacksonville takes him, here's what we're going to do. And maybe that was the trade down scenario. But if Hawkinson gets to eight that we want TJ Hawkinson, like we're not going to, unless someone gives us a first rounder next year or something, we will, that's our guy. And I think that that's what we saw play out. 
I would love to hear more details and more reporting on that because I think, who was it, Gil Brandt threw out like, oh yeah, the Lions had good offers. And everyone's like, what? They had good offers? Oh no. How, well, how could they turn down good offers? Okay, well, like, you know, obviously if, if Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia thought the offers that were coming in were worth them missing out on Hawkinson and falling down to 14 or 15 or wherever it was and kind of taking whoever was left that, you know, they'd have pulled the trigger. Uh, so, so we, we don't know exactly how rich those offers were. And, and until we get that, I think it's a little hard to, to, to judge exactly, you know, where they were on that. And again, to me, I, I come down on like, yes, draft picks are lottery picks and you want as many of them as you can. Volume is going to come out because no matter how good you are at scouting, there's always going to be an element of randomness to it. However, if you're sitting there at your pick and the guy you want is there and everybody's on board, this is as safe a pick as we can get. And we think there's upside here. You know, the downside of losing out on that guy and then you end up with, you know, like you said, whatever linebacker named Devin is left or whatever, whatever corner you want to reach for at that spot, you know, and you drastically reduce your chance of hitting on that player. I just think it's not great. Um, well, it's um, just one real quick, like that, you know, we're sure. talking about, you know, we'll sort of be looking at this in, in the framework of does, how does Hawkinson measure up to the, you know, Oliver Bush, Jonah Williams, Rashawn Gary, those picks right after him. I think the other one that's interesting to look at is how is it going to measure up to, Noah Fant at 20 because that yeah. was the one Pittsburgh traded. Uh, it was 20, 52, and a third rounder next year and then took the other Iowa tight end. So that's kind of the one. Yeah. Like if Noah Fant, and I, I don't think the way, again, the way Bob Quinn was talking, like Hawkinson was clearly their one and it sounded like he was a decent gap above Noah Fant because he specifically mentioned how he talked to Kirk Ferentz at Iowa about using Hawkinson in key situations and not necessarily using Fant in key situations. So I think that there was something to that, but that's yeah. the one I sort of circle and say, well, you know, if, if Pittsburgh or if uh, Denver comes out of this with Fant, you know, we see what they, if they get an impact guy at 52, they get an impact guy in the third round next year. Like that's the one to me that, um, y- you know, you kind of circle and look back on because Fant was there at 20. Montez Sweat went at 26. Um, Marquise Brown was right around that range. So there were a lot of guys down there that, uh, you know, if you were playing a big trade back, um, that might have been interesting. Yeah, and I, I, we keep doing one more, one more thing, and my reaction to that with Fant also is sort of Fant really is – in the Ebron and Joku mold of the just like, I mean, crazy speed, pure pass catcher has the frame to block if you can teach him to block, but that's not why you're drafting him, you know, way, way higher boom bust ratio. Um, and you know, the other, my other thing with that is if you're saying, Oh, we'll drop down, you know, we'll take Fant is Stafford didn't use Ebron. Well, you know, whether it was Stafford, whether it was Cooter, whether it was whatever, you know, the lions had Ebron that entire time and could not figure out how to use him. He changes scenery, he changes quarterbacks, and he's a pro bowler. So, uh, you know, for, for me, I, I wonder if that doesn't figure into the math a little bit also where you go, okay, these guys really aren't the same player and they really aren't fungible uh, in this offense and what we want to do. Uh, so so let's, let's 
there's a lot of players that you know maybe people thought would go a little higher maybe didn't fit uh maybe slid a little bit we go into day two second round third round who is out there we will talk about that next when we come back here on backward down the field the world's largest air supported podcast like what me and Chris Burke do on Backward Down the Field, you gotta subscribe to The Athletic Detroit. Get full access to all of Chris's incredible insider coverage, plus all of The Athletic's sister sites all around the country, NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA. Believe me, it's more than worth the few dollars to subscribe to TheAthletic.com. You will not regret it. Chris, it's always funny going into day two here now. Um, you know, there's there's some guys that certainly thought that they were going to go higher, I think, a little bit, that are now surprised to be sitting around, waiting around, cold light of morning. Everybody kind of goes, oh, wait a minute. Like, they're still on the board? They're st- Drew Locke's still on the board? You know? Uh, and, and, and Josh Rosen, I think, is another huge wild card in this because if there is going to be a draft day play, you know, nobody's, nobody's going to go, okay, I'll give you – a fourth rounder and a fifth rounder and a seventh rounder and a one next year for Josh Rosen. You know, if there's going to be a draft trade involving Rosen, it's probably going to happen. I would think before the clock starts, uh, but give me your overall lay of the land of the lions that go into day two. I mean, I think any team with a pick remotely high on day two is in a good spot. And so, you know, the lions are sitting there with the 11th selection um, and they're definitely going to have a chance to get a guy who can at least compete for a starting job. A ton of corner. I mean, there's going to be a cornerback run pretty early, I would think. We're going to see an offensive lineman run pretty early, and those are two spots where uh, the Lions clearly could use some guys. I mean, I, but Quinn talked about maybe moving up if they had someone. I think they also could mm-hmm. go the other way. Maybe this is how you recoup an extra pick. You slide down from whatever it is, 43 to – like Houston's got two in the second round and then a third round, and maybe you get 54 and something and, and uh, add a pick that way. So, I, I mean, I think there's a lot of options for them. I think it's a, it's going to be a good opportunity. And, you know, talking about how people react to Hawkinson, like Hawkinson in a bubble, you have some questions. But if you come out of two days with Hawkinson, you know, Byron Murphy and whoever your third <laughs> whoever you want in that third round uh for sure um you know max crosby or or someone like that like that's a pretty good first couple days like you're addressing a bunch of needs and getting some players that can help you so um i i i will say that it was <laughs> we were sitting in the lions press room um you know they obviously picked early so there was a lot of time there afterward uh just waiting for do a conference call with TJ Hawkinson and then waiting for Bob Quinn to come in and talk. And so we're all just sort of sitting there like, and that lock kept sliding. That new England pick was sitting there at 32 and we were sort of joking, like, are they gonna, could they, <laughs> is this going to happen? Like, are they going to surprise us right at the end here? Um, and they didn't, but I, I do think that that that's another storyline to keep an eye on here because lock, uh, you would think would go early in round two, but, um, we'll probably see some other quarterbacks here roll through uh, on Friday. And if Locke's there at 43, it'd be at least an interesting conversation, I would think, for the Lions. Um, You'd think. Yeah, I mean, I don't – maybe not. Maybe they have no interest at all. But I would, if he's there, it'd be, uh, I'd be curious to hear their thoughts. 
And I'm curious, you know, keeping that in mind, you know, do, maybe do they make a move? It depends on it depends really on, on how their board is, where they have lock. Um, there's a couple quarters uh, and there's a couple corners out there. Uh, cornerback is another spot. I think a lot of Lions fans thought they might. I mean, if, if the board had fallen, if, if there was a true top 10 corner out there, I think they'd have to get a, a pretty solid look. Um, and, and some people thought, you know, if you trade back, that's when maybe you start talking about if you if you trade back to 15, maybe you take a corner there. There's still a lot of guys on the board. Um, do you think we're, the Lions are more likely to end up with a quarterback or a cornerback at the end of Friday night? Uh, probably a cornerback, especially just because of how things played out. Like, I don't know that every anyone thought Byron Murphy and Greedy Williams and Justin Lane and all these guys were going to be there yeah. heading into day two. Um, I, I'm not shocked necessarily that that they are, but uh, I would have bet against every single one of them. And Rakuten, like, I would have bet against all of those guys oh, making yeah. it to the second round. So. Um, I, I think that they're in a good spot to get a cornerback if they want one. Quarterback's just really the wild card kind of hanging over this entire draft for them uh, because they clearly need someone to develop moving forward. Um, and at some point, the, re- the the chances you're getting return on your investment aren't that high. Like if you're waiting to round six or round seven to take a quarterback, you know, th- maybe you get the Tom Brady once every th- – 50 years but you're probably getting a guy who's not going to be on the roster in two years so you know if, if they really are thinking okay we need to figure out the plan behind Stafford yeah. that's got to be almost a top 100 pick Yeah, there's a lot of decisions they're going to have to make. I still I still kind of hold out hope for your uh, uh, Greer from West Virginia shout. I, I, I like the fit. Um, went back and watched a little tape, but I do think he'd be fun if the Lions came away with a quarterback as opposed to a cornerback. He'd, that'd be a direction to go. Um, and like you said, you know, for me... This is uh, that was a Bob Quinn, Matt Patricia pick at the first round. And this is really with the draft. You should be making statements of intent. You know, free agency signings can be this guy's a patch. You know, when you make a huge commitment like they did to Trey Flowers, obviously they're expecting him to be around for a long, long time. He's the kind of player that they want. But for me, drafts, these should be players you expect to be a part of your team for three, four, five years. They should be prototypical for what you want. They should fit the molds at each of the positions. And I think this day two, I mean, I think we knew that Hawkinson fit what they wanted to do, what they said they wanted to do. I think we're going to learn a little bit more about the direction of the franchise tonight, Friday night, as Lions make their second and third round picks, maybe more, more picks, fewer picks. We're not sure exactly how many picks they're going to make tonight. Be watching be listening, of course, be reading at theathletic.com. Be following Chris's Twitter feed because we're getting lots of great stuff on there. If you don't subscribe, why aren't you subscribing? There's plenty of promo codes and discounts out there. The Athletic Detroit, you also get all the other cities, all the other sites, and the Athletic Inc. national site. Subscribe, like, rate, and review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher, and we'll keep doing what we do here on Backward Down the Field, the world's largest air-supported podcast.